RTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast, sponsored by Cadbury. From grassroots to national level, a supporter and a half of women's football in Ireland. Soccer Women's World Cup podcast. Every match is live on RT Television and the RT Player. It's 24 hours now, though, since Ireland's hopes of reaching the last 16 were ended by Canada, but there's still one group game to go against Nigeria. And I'm joined today by Ireland International Rihanna Jarrett and RT Sport Online's Anthony Pine to reflect more on the girls and greens World Cup so far and start to look ahead to Monday's third and final fixture. And Rihanna, you know, as you told us on Monday, you're in Australia at the moment supporting the team but also you have that extra thing of these are very good friends of yours and long time teammates so what were your emotions in the stands as uh, you know the elimination was confirmed oh I mean I think I speak on behalf of everyone not only as like a player that's been involved in the squad not only someone that's out here following them but I think every single person in Ireland that has followed the journey either from start to finish or or even just as the, the campaign has kicked off it's was bitterly disappointing to when the final whistle blew last night and it ended in defeat. Um, I think the girls gave it absolutely everything. I don't think like you can't fault them for their effort, for their for their commitment. They put their bodies on the line. They gave it absolutely everything. And I think the biggest disappointment is the two games were there for the taking. Um, it's probably a tale of two halves. I think if we go back to the Australia game, we weren't in it in the first half, but the second half we kind of had the Australians on the ropes a little bit and. Who knows if we could have got that equaliser, it would have been a different game. And then the same speaks for the Canadian game last night. I think the first half we absolutely went at them, and that's when we were at our best. Um, now obviously them getting the goal just before halftime was an absolute kick in the teeth, and would have changed the halftime team talk because there's a huge difference between going in one nil up and and going in one all just after conceding, and then obviously conceding straight away after halftime was was an absolute nightmare. And and to be honest, to be fair to the Canadians, they came out a different animal in the second half and. And we never got going, and, and that was felt around the stadium. Um, the Irish crowd, to be fair to them, they tried to lift the girls. They, they kept singing when it went quiet, when it, things weren't going our way, and they tried to lift it. And, and it was great to hear and great to see, but unfortunately, we just couldn't get a foothold in that second half. Yeah, and Anthony, you know, you talked about the long journey from Brisbane to Perth, but it's probably, it probably feels shorter when there's excitement and anticipation. But I'd say the journey, maybe for the, you know, for the team going the opposite way off the back, and knowing that it, essentially the World Cup is over, that that journey will feel a little bit longer. Ah, uh, yeah, of course. They went straight back after the game last night, and, and they just had a, a recovery day today, and they have a day off tomorrow. And so you could see, you could see for when they were devastated. Kate McCabe was devastated. Uh, because they believed that they could get out with the group. And as, as Rihanna says, um, you know, it's in a way, it's nearly worse than getting well beaten in both matches because you come away with regrets. You come away looking at certain moments in both of them matches. God, if only we hadn't done this or we had taken our chances there. Uh, but, that you know, that's a testament to how far they've come. Um, and you know, they've run, they ran two very accomplished teams extremely close. But ultimately, the, the the margins did for them, you know, just taking their chances, yeah, punishing Canada when they were well off because Canada were way out of sorts in the first half yesterday. They were actually terrible. Um, they they made a triple uh, substitution at halftime when they brought on uh, Sinclair, came on Sadorsky and so Sophie Schmidt, um, and they just came out with more purpose and energy. And and Ireland having been rattled by that goal just before the break, um. 
they never got really set. They never set themselves properly in the first 10 minutes of the second half. And that's where they lost the game. Like, uh, so, you know, of course, they're disappointed. It probably would have been a, a fairly somber journey back. But, you know, they still got a game to play. They still got a chance to to get points on the board or a win on the board at, at a World Cup. Break that duck um, and, and end it on, on something of a positive. Yeah, and something you you told us on Monday, Rihanna, was you know you'd love to see Ireland play five to ten yards higher up the pitch, and then we would see what uh, you know the the benefits and the knock on effects in every line of the pitch. And it's fair to say we probably saw that in terms of the likes of Denise and Sinead and Katie being able to, able to play higher up the pitch, and consequently um, to essentially rattle Canada. Yeah, and they, they definitely did. They definitely started that bit higher. They started with that little bit more intense. There was more intensity about how they were playing, how they were pressing, when they were going. And and I think Katie spoke about that in her, her post-game interview as well. She spoke that they, they learned a lot from the first game and especially the first half against the Australians. And I think that we're at our best when we don't let teams come onto us because it's very hard to get a foothold of the game then when that happens. I think we've seen that in the second half. As Anthony says, we were probably a little bit knocked by what happened just before halftime and we kind of maybe maybe switched off, but we couldn't get a grip of the game in the second half. I think we were unable to retain possession and we were unable to get any sort of kind of press or, or, or pressure on, on the Canadian back line and, and that was the difference and they ultimately punished us and to be honest in the second half um, they had a number of chances that they'll probably be bitterly disappointed with that they didn't take likewise with us in the first half. So I was just going to say they took off Buchanan at half time for Zdorsky she was getting Caruso was taking her to the cleaners so I, Yeah was she was on a yellow point. as well so it was Yeah, yeah. She, she, she really had her on the ropes I mean that was as you talk about the changes um, those all those players are well into the thirties. Like they've they've got I don't know how many caps they have between them. So you're you're bringing on quality experience to in that yeah. situation. Do you know, and and even tonight it was at the um the the Australia uh Nigeria game. You know, Ashwala came off the bench for Nigeria, turned the game on its head. You know, this is a Barcelona star. Like, it, this is the levels we're talking about. You know, we should, we should bear that yeah. in mind that even co- these countries have that depth of talent that you know, it's, it's hard to compete. It's hard to compete with that over 90 minutes. Yeah. And, you know, in your um, in your reflective piece after the game, Anthony, you talked about uh, one player we haven't really touched on too much, which, which is Rusha Littlejohn. And, you know, you pointed out, you know, the kind of, um, you know, the distance she's covering in that midfield because we're talking about players... Tend, we tend to talk about players slightly higher up the field, but she has she has had an important role kind of anchoring that midfield. Well, yeah, she she was she covered more distance than any other Irish player against Australia, it's like over ten thousand kilometers. Um, she 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 covered that match. Um, and um, I thought she was brilliant in the time she was on the pitch last night. I mean, she locked up Jesse Fleming. She's a great job on her. Really did a great job on her. She didn't. She was passing backwards and sideways on. Like that's not what she does. She she picks holes. She punches holes. Uh, John did a really good job on her. And it's just unfortunate again. Like when you talk about depth, Russia was never going to have another night in her. I don't think like she has an Achilles issue that she has to manage as well. And, and when she went off, we we just started to get a little ragged with the changes. Um, Lucy Quinn came off at halftime. I'm not really sure why that was if that was tactical I think it would personally think it was a mistake I thought she I think, was a banker in that. I think Vera came out I think Vera came out and said that they brought Abby Larkin on for something different um, yeah, I just think that a substitution yeah. like that 
I think that a substitution like that at halftime is, is an interesting one because I think that Lucy Quinn was not only well in the battle in the first half, but I do think that down that right-hand side, um, she looked like she could potentially create a thing. She was breaking up play, but she was also running in behind as well. So I was... Obviously, you'll never falter. Like, Abby Larkin done very well in, in the Australia game when she came on, but I just think the timing of it more so than the actual substitution itself was, was interesting. Yeah, and no, I, I I agree. Yeah, no, sorry. You know, no, I just I just think that was a, I think that was a mistake. But uh, Abby Larkin is she came on the last day when we were one nil down. You know, chasing the game, it removes the pressure on a young player to throw her into a situation where it just makes something happen. You know, got nothing to do. She was great. You put her on a half time when it's one all against the reigning Olympic champions, where you know you're going to have to live without the ball. Games on a knife edge. Lucy Quinn and Anya O'Gorman had done very well on that right side. Uh, combined well, physical, solid, experienced. To change that at half time, you know, maybe on the hour mark or seventy minutes, but uh, it it didn't work. It didn't work, and um, you know, unfortunately, once we are a team that when we go behind in, against uh, teams like kind of, it's hard for anybody, but we particularly find it difficult to get ourselves back into game. So you know, it was unfortunate. We just that ten minutes after half time again, we we gave up that that goal that ultimately lost the match. Yeah, and all the substitutions, Rihanna, they were all, like the dice had been completely thrown by the 65th minute, which was kind of interesting. Obviously, the, the half-time mm. substitution, then there was another, and then there was the triple sub um, as well. Do you feel maybe um, Virapau could have maybe held at least one or two more cards until later, you know, later and deeper into the game? No, I was going to say, it's a, it's a catch-22. I'm like, she makes a sub, she feels like now is the right time. There's over 25 minutes left on the clock. We'd already kind of lost our foothold in the game at that point. Um, so something needed to change. Um, maybe throwing three on at, at the same time, in hindsight, probably wasn't the thing to do. But then if she didn't make those substitutions and the same thing happened, you're like, oh, she didn't make any subs, if that makes any sense. But I think we just lost all sort of shape um, kind of when that happened. And I suppose the game was a lot more open, but we didn't capitalise on that when we won the ball back. I think our biggest thing was when we won the ball back, we were too quick to give it back to the Canadians. And to be honest, watching from the sideline, um, the only one that looked like creating anything was Kate McCabe. I think that she carried the team and the nation on her back in, in the kind of last 20 minutes and, and was nearly creating things out of nothing. You looked at her when she picked the ball up on, on the right-hand side, just inside the Canadian half, um, and managed to, to, to pull something on, onto our left-hand side. And I think that was the problem. We could have been there for another 15, 20 minutes. And, and I still don't think we would have pulled one back, unfortunately. Yeah, and Anthony, just on, on that as well, and also it's something Anya Gorman said that Ireland, just in the early part of the second half, with Canada also making changes that um, we didn't adjust quickly enough, were her words. Yeah, um, well, I mean, the momentum shifted with the three, and you're bringing on three good players that were obviously strong. And, you know, by the way, they all, they got a rollicking at half time as well. Their policeman did say that, you know, they were, they were way, way up in that first half, having not played well against Nigeria. So they obviously had a few home truths and and the reaction in that first 10 minutes was more energy and they moved the ball quicker. Um, and yeah, we we probably we just got caught. You know, we got caught. The, the first goal was a little unlucky. Well, it was unlucky. Magna just skidded off her studs. I mean, the ball could have gone anywhere. It was into the bottom corner. Uh, and then the second goal, I think you're looking at back, we, we just weren't properly set. You know, that, that will frustrate us. But um you know, look, with hindsight, we can pick the bones of this. In an in-game situation, managers, that's what the, that's their job. It's a difficult job. They have to make calls. Obviously, Vera Powell thought it was the right thing to do at the time. It's just, on reflection, 
it didn't quite work out for us. You know, that's that's the frustrating thing. But that's that's football ref. Sometimes it goes for you, and it didn't go for us yesterday. Yeah, for sure. And uh, after the game, um, also on our highlight show on RT2 and the RT player, Richard Sadler and Maeve Berger were um, talking about some of Virakai's post-match comments. So it was regard to a couple of things. One of them was um, she could see the equaliser coming and uh, she, she said that to Tony Donoghue in the, uh, you know, in the in the mix zone afterwards. And the other thing was just in terms of the team being newcomers which um, may mean in terms of them being newcomers to the World Cup stage but also um, the flip side some people could argue that actually the defence that was there with the number of caps they're not necessarily newcomers in that sense so let's just listen to what Richie Sadler and Maeve Burke have to say. A couple of comments there about the team growing and you know not having as much experience as the opponents today. Um, is that fair comment given the, the number of, of the number of caps and the experience that the side does have? Well I think first of all it I'd share her disappointment that we lost. That's not what we wanted. And it's really disappointing that at the earliest opportunity or the earliest possible point, we know we're out of the tournament. But to make a comment like that the team is still uh, growing and they're newcomers, that back five had 453 caps between them. So forget using words like newcomers are growing or learning the game about that back five. So I wonder how that's heard within the dressing room. It just seems like one of those comments that didn't really make a hell of a lot of sense. And she said she's put, turned at one point to her assistant and said, I could see the goal was coming. You're the coach. If you knew something was coming, what, what action did she take to, to prevent it? So puzzling couple of comments, but the overall thing is disappointment that, that, that we're out, that we lost. Um, and that so much of that second half was, was completely at odds with some of the good stuff we saw in the first half. Puzzling comments is a very mm. diplomatic way of putting it, Richard. Daft, and which I wouldn't daft, agree with. I'll go, go further than that. Like it's, it's, don't be calling players with that amount of experience mm. newcomers, particularly when the offence that they're regarded as of, of, of committing is lacking concentration or not playing till half-time. You mm. tell children that. So there are some things they'll have to experience in the World Cup, which you can say, fair enough, they haven't played in front of 80,000, they haven't played in front of a global audience, they haven't played with the stakes as this high, grand. Mm. But but don't say that it's their inexperience is the reason they didn't know that you keep playing till the whistle. Vera Power's language, and she has said this herself, she is very direct, she is Dutch, it's the way she communicates, and sometimes things are lost in translation because English isn't her first language. However, those comments today, um, the comments that she made, Maeve, after uh, the first match about um, Marissa Shiva's mistake, she called it a mistake, um, she obviously dropped Marissa today, and then today talking about having no cover for the first goal. Um, is she deflecting the blame to players there? I think so. And um, yeah, obviously we're all disappointed, mm. like Richie said, uh, about the result today. We really, uh, I think we're really hopeful, especially after Katie's goal went in, that they'd um, progress or at least that they would have stayed in the tournament um, by the time we would have been talking tonight. But yeah, I think Vera is definitely trying to deflect a little bit and it's disappointing um, for a manager to be trying to deflect a little bit more of the blame on the players at this stage because you know they can only do what they're told to do I suppose and, and play in a structure and a formation that they're clearly told to do and that's how they, they train it as well and um, yeah I mean they're definitely not lacking experience and particularly at the back you know saying that that we always concede a goal before half time like it, it it's making excuses really I suppose and the players are well capable of um, you know, performing and like that. They've plenty of experience between them and I think it is just kind of um, just disappointed to hear those comments. You know, we should be trying to, I suppose, look at it just purely from a football side as to what really went wrong. 
So that was Maeve de Burke and before that, uh, Richie Sadler. And uh, Rihanna, you had a chance to just listen to uh, Pau before we uh, we started recording today. So what were what were your kind of interpretations of the manager's post-match comments and reflections on the game? I think it's interesting. I think in her whole video, she states that any team that she's been involved at that she's brought from one level to the next, maybe into their first major tournaments. Obviously, Ireland aren't the first team that that she's got there. Um, she's spoken about that that has happened, um, that they've had that lack of experience at that tournament level. And yes, it's Ireland's first major tournament, but as the lads in the studio said, that that back five in particular, um, regardless of anybody else on the pitch, have over 400 caps. There are most capped players in terms of Anya, Nifahi, Louise Quinn, and obviously Katie McCabe has over 70 caps as well, and obviously still plenty more years left than her. Um, so that it is an interesting statement, interesting comment. Yes, they're inexperienced in terms of tournament football, but they're still very experienced in terms of international football and playing against the highest level of opposition because every qualifier we play and we've ever played, being the lower seed, we always get the higher ranked teams, even in our qualification phases. So they're like no newcomers to play against top quality players and top quality teams. Yeah, and Anthony, um, you know, what what are you, I suppose what's your take, but also how consistent is it with her general messaging in the press conferences you've attended? Um, well, I I would say just to note first of all, like this, it's English is her second language, so like sometimes to take what she says literally, it probably shouldn't do it. Like you know, newcomers, uh, maybe that was lost a little bit. Maybe she meant I don't know, newcomers to this particular level is probably what she was trying to get at, and it came across not proper, you know, not great. But you know, as Rihanna says, we have oodles of experience in that back nine. Um. But you know she is a a, a straight talking manager that can be quite, um, you know just just blunt. I mean she doesn't she doesn't she's she speaks her mind and and she's clear about what she expects from the team and wants the team to do. Um, I think look inevitably where this is leading is her future because her contract is up in a few weeks. Um. There's still no word on that. We don't really know where it is. We know what her point of view is because Vera Powell said consistently, and she said it again after the game uh, on last night that um she she wants to stay, she wants to stick around. Um, but there's there's no there's been no progress on on that from the FA. You know, we haven't heard any white smoke. So, um, that's going to be the next thing here, Raf. Like that's just that's the way it is because Ireland cannot progress now, and uh, there'll be more media over the weekend. These questions will keep coming until there's a definitive answer. Um, and you know, we, we see what what is, is her future. Is she gonna get another campaign? But um uh, I, I I don't know at this point. I, I would say it's probably not a great sign that this has been going on for two months and it hasn't been sorted. Um but you'd expect that we will hear something in the next couple of weeks because as I said, the contract is up, so we, you know we have to hear something one way or the other. Yeah, and the post-match interview that's been referred to there that when she was talking to Condi Dunleavy, people can watch it. It's on YouTube and also on RT.ie. It's yesterday's um, daily World Cup podcast. But uh, the reason, obviously, that they're, um, that Ireland can't get to the 
um last 16 of course is um just due to the the pure mathematics and there is still one more um, game to go which is against nigeria and anthony you were there they can make it through to the last 16 and they stunned the co-hosts australia there in brisbane and i suppose what's your takeaway from the game because watching it from afar over here in ireland it was uh it was an exciting game and obviously a stunning result it was a great it was the game of the tournament so far and um Hats off to Nigeria. Fair, fair play to them. You know they still have work to do. They have to get results against Ireland, and that won't be easy for them. You know we, we're, you know Ireland are objectively a, a difficult team to play against, and they're a proud bunch who will want to end on high. And they'll have really good support in Brisbane. It's a great stadium, by the way, uh, Raf. It's such a shame. It's such a pity that we're not in the hunt to get out with this group because it would have been a, a hell of an occasion there. Uh, in that ground in, in the Brisbane Stadium, there was about fifty, just under fifty thousand there tonight. Excellent atmosphere. Um, and they are a really decent team. They've got ex- some really good players. Um, they're they're organized. Um, they have pace in, in every part of the pitch. Uh, and they were able to bring on um you know Oshwala off the bench to, to turn the game effectively. I mean, that would that raised the eyebrows when the team's dropped. She I don't think she had a great game in the first match against Canada, but you know, she is a quality player. But, you know, like Christine Sinclair coming on um, for Canada against Ireland, to bring on that quality with an hour gone, it's such an asset for a team to do that. And then she caused Australia, so like immediately she won a corner from which they scored. Uh, then she, you know, she she panicked um, Alana Kennedy into making a, a rushed header back to the keeper and, and then finished it really well. Um they give you they give you chances, you know. Australia did create a lot of chances tonight. On another night, they probably could have scored five goals. Um, but they're good to watch. The you know, Cutler's team very confident and comfortable on the ball. Um, and they'll be a real test for Ireland. But they've got, I mean, they've given themselves a brilliant chance of getting out of the group now. I and mean, they, they could win the group because Australia and Canada have to play each other. They both need a result. They could cancel each other out. And if Nigeria beat us, then. They'll top the group, and the, the which and I think they'll. I'm not sure who they find the last 16 of that instance, but what an achievement that would be for them! So, yeah, hats off to them. They've blown that group wide open, and it sets up a great final round of games in Group B on Monday. Um, should be a few more twists and turns to come. Yeah, they're playing playing for the prize of facing the teams in England's group, which would be uh, Group D, um, and potentially Denmark, both, yeah, yeah, Den- and England, Denmark, uh, China, yeah. which are the things, and also Haiti as well in, in that group. But Rihanna, just on, you know, from a, a bit scare, uh, probably a little bit worrying from an Irish point of view, given you know you see Nigeria going one nil down to what are the co-hosts and a very good team, obviously shorn of Mary Fowler and probably even more significantly of Sam Kerr, but still they go one nil down and then they. They have the quality to come back, not just equalise, but actually put kick on as well. And given that uh, Monday now won't be a dead rubber in any way, um, you know, Ireland have a real game on their hands. I think, yeah, it's, um, regardless of that result that they had tonight, they were always still going to be in with an opportunity to qualify the fact that they drew against the Canadians. Um, but obviously the fact that they went and beat Australia um, was absolutely amazing for them. As you said, they, they stand a great chance now of topping the group. And I think for them, the key to that game was... They equalised literally in at a time just before halftime, um, which would have changed obviously the whole outlook of the game going into the second half because Australia scored just before halftime as well. Um, but they 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 picked their moments when they pressed Australia. They picked the moments when they went at them, and they were very physical and and fast and and direct at times, which the Australian backline could not deal with. Um, and I think 
the third goal with the Alami Kennedy mistake, um, you could see it coming from a mile away. As soon as that ball went over the top and you seen her running alongside Alami Kennedy and you see Mackenzie Arnold coming out, you knew exactly the way it was going to unfold. And it was, as Anthony said, it was a very tidy finish um, once the ball ended up around the goalkeeper. But Ireland, they're, they're like, they always knew like going into this competition that, yes, Australia were one of the top-ranked teams. Yes, Canada, Canada were the Olympic champions, but like Nigeria, the top-ranked Nigerian team for a reason. I think we've seen that they frustrated the life out of Canada in that first game, and we've seen kind of like more how they like to play tonight against Australia as well. So it was never going to be an easy game. Obviously, we have our pride, and we want to get our first win in a major tournament. Um, so it'll be a very interesting game. It'll just be interesting to see how Ireland line up going into that game and if anything changes, either personnel-wise or, or tactic-wise. I think we might actually, because of the speed and the threat of them in behind and their power, see us sit a little bit deeper, which who knows what will happen. Yeah, because that's what I was gonna—I was actually going to make that or uh, ask you about that, actually, because um, obviously it worked out well against Canada in the first half, the press up high. But as, as you said, Nigeria pace is frightening, especially down the flanks. But uh, in regard to, um, I suppose, maybe even the personnel changes as well, do you change anything at the back for Ireland or in midfield? Or, you know, Vera Howe in her post-match interview, she, she suggested that um, she'd probably largely stick with her first-choice team. And there are, I think there are four outfield players at the moment who haven't featured at the World Cup yet. And I guess it's a game scenario situation if they if they do come in. Yeah, I, I don't see much changing. I think it will be rely on like how players are after the last game obviously we, we mentioned Rich Little's on earlier she's played very little football um in terms of club football in the build-up to the World Cup and, and obviously we know from the qualifier against Scotland she missed that true injury as well um so it'd be the likes of her Sinead Farley obviously hasn't played that much football since returning to professional football and football at this level so they're kind of questions that, that you'd look at um, but I don't see there being too many changes. Um, as I, as she said in her post match interview as well, Ireland still want to to finish on a high. We still want to do the country proud. So um, the starting eleven, you might not see very many changes, but then it's game dependent on how the game is going. Whether we'll see those outfield players that haven't featured get get an opportunity. But as she said, it's football at the highest level. It's tournament football. We can't just automatically give players appearances because they haven't played. Yeah, and apart from Australia 2, Nigeria 3, before that, um, Portugal had beaten Vietnam 2-0 in Group B, and also in Group B, um, the two teams that reached the 2019 World Cup final, USA and Netherlands, drew one all in Wellington, and uh, Rihanna, just um, on the US, I mean, they still have quality, some of the, you know, some of the older stars are still there, there's the likes of Sophia Smith, of course, who's uh, kind of the new wave, but do they do they seem a little bit more vulnerable to you in, you know, compared to when they won it in 2015 and 2019? I think the gap has closed, um, I think they still have outstanding players, and you mentioned Sophia Smith, and I think Trinity Rodman as well, I think that, that they're exceptional in that, and they're kind of showing that excitement for the US, but I think the Dutch manager spoke on it before their game today, that the difference between the US and everybody else for years has been their athleticism and their fitness and kind of European teams and that haven't been able to match them for that. But now you see that those top teams and even the lesser teams are on par with them now. And it comes down to the, the technical ability of the players and the teams. And I think that anyone that's seen either that Netherlands v USA game or, or seen clips of it, they were very close um, in terms of the game. Could have, could have went either way in terms of chances in both the first and the second half. And, the US didn't really look too convincing in their first game. Yes, they won 3-0, but 
you didn't see what you would expect from them. So it's definitely going to be interesting as the tournament goes on. I don't think they'll go on to win it. I think that other teams are technically better and, and are playing better football. But the beauty of tournament football is you don't need to peak at the start of the tournament when you're a top team. And aside from everything else, they have the experience and they know what it's like to win tournaments. They've won the last two World Cups. Um, so that might stand to them, but I still don't think they'll, they'll go all the way and win it this time. Yeah, and the highlight show, if anybody wants to watch all of today's three games, it's on RT2 and the RT Player at 8pm um, Irish time. And, uh, of course, fixtures tomorrow, which is Friday, it's Argentina against South Africa. That's 1am 1, 1 our time in Dunedin. And then England, Denmark at half nine in Sydney. And then China and Haiti at midday. And um, Anthony, I suppose, looking at that, like England and Denmark is probably um, the standout one. But... Uh, Haiti gave England a real run for their money and at the other side with Denmark and China probably would have been vying for that second spot but the Danes are the ones who have uh, probably got the crucial win um, in that in that head-to-head so far. Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's a really obvious thing to say but like to get a win as early, you know, the first up, it's just such a huge thing. I mean, it's only three games, you know, in, in the group stage. So to get out of the box quick like that, you always give yourself a big chance. The, the England game, I know like they weren't great against Haiti. I, I just think teams like England, they, they are going to get out of the group. You know, they know they're going to get out of the group. So, they'll often start quite slow in these tournaments, you know, and they, they'll, they'll only really get going knockout stages, quarters on. So, I wouldn't read too much into to that particular performance. They're still a very good side. Um, USA are maybe similar, but as Rana really, says, like I mean, get, looking looking at the tournament as a whole, like it does feel feels like an open tournament, and and it it actually feels like it's the type of tournament that um that is allowing for a surprise package for somebody to sort of come up the rails and go deep that maybe not too many people uh, were talking about prior prior to to the World Cup beginning. So. Um. Yeah. Look, there's, there's plenty of football left to go, and hopefully, um, hopefully there is a few more surprises. Like because t- tonight, watching Nigeria tonight, and Rihanna is correct to say that you know they, they aren't top, like they are the strongest team in Africa, and they've, they've got tons of World Cup experience as well. But um, it was still great to see them just upset the odds and um and pull off that win because it just makes everything more interesting. I know we're out, but you know we still we're still gonna have a big part to play in how this group shakes down and um. You know, Canada and Australia will be out for a big favour office on Monday night. Yeah, and I suppose the final point before we go, Rihanna, just in terms of you know, mention some of the kind of the smaller and emerging nations, the likes of Haiti and uh, obviously Philippines. Um, we're, we're talking about Nigeria, you know, getting a result that maybe was slightly unexpected against Australia, but what the Philippines did to New Zealand uh, probably had reverberations. Um, just as again, they're newcomers too, and then you know Jamaica, holding France. It's uh, it's shaping up. You know there might have been worries pre-tournament when uh, when there's an expansion that uh, there might be a few hidings, but there've been actually they haven't there haven't been too many of those, and actually the those new teams have been have been proven a lot of people wrong. Yeah, I think obviously coming off the back of the the World Cup in France, um, in in twenty nineteen, people were worried um about some of the results, and obviously having more teams in the tournament, but. Looking at it as a whole, it's the best thing that's happened to the Women's World Cup. As you mentioned, some of those results have been amazing. Um, you even speak about New Zealand beating Norway to get their their first win in front of a home crowd in their their first ever win in a World Cup, which was phenomenal. It's, it's just great stories. And, and for me, I think my favourite has been the Jamaica draw against 
um, France might be a little bit biased, and my dad was Jamaican, so I'll always be rooting for them and, and have a good friend playing with them as well. But those sort of stories are, are exactly what you want to see, and I think we've seen it in the Men's World Cup um, last winter as well. So it's, it's just great. And as Anthony says, like there's still a lot of football still be played in the group stages alone, never mind the rest of the tournament, and, and, and who knows what surprises are in store. And obviously the best thing now going into that last game for Ireland in the World Cup is that we do have a part to play, as Anthony says, so there's still a lot to play for. Um, and, and obviously Ireland wants to do ourselves justice and we want to get that win that we, we thoroughly believe that we deserve as well. Yeah, and uh, I suppose, uh, Rihanna, for yourself, it's uh, off to Brisbane now at some point. Yeah, so um, we fly, we leave Perth on Saturday morning, head off to Brisbane, where by all accounts, I was speaking to a, a few of the girls there bef- before the game, and um, said that Brisbane's a beautiful place, that the sun is shining, um, and I'm I'm excited to get there and, and see that part of Australia as well. But obviously, looking forward to to getting out of the cold of of Perth at the minute. Yeah, um, temperatures here are um, don't don't worry don't hurry back here because temperatures in Dublin uh, are sort of they're not a, it it doesn't feel like July and Anthony same to you as well um, enjoy enjoy uh, the enjoy uh, Brisbane um, for as long as you can but anyway look thanks a million for your time Rihanna and also Anthony Fine thanks Rob Likes, shares, comments, and tweets. Cadbury sponsors RTE Soccer Women's World Cup podcast.